It is so great to be with you today, and I'm going to tell you that we are continuing our series on Ask It. And I'm going to be very upfront with you that as I talk about today, and I share with them in the first service, this is probably the most plodding sermon that I've ever undertaken. Meaning that as I read the scripture, I found it applying to me and me finding myself and where I am in my life so much into this section of scripture than I can ever remember. And I guess it's because I'm dealing with a dude that I'm not familiar with. His name is Solomon. And now when I say not familiar with, I've read all the books, but the wisdom thing escapes me, okay? Anybody here agree? Yeah. Go ahead, you can do it. I'm giving you your chance. When it comes to me, the wisdom thing escapes me. But today, as we go through this, I wanted to talk about wisdom in a different light. Now, we all know that true wisdom, godly wisdom, is when a person seeks after God's will in anything and everything for their life. And you can see the remnants in their past because they sought after God's will and he led them through storms. You can see them working in their current issues because God is at the center of all the decisions that they're making about how to deal with a circumstance or a problem, a struggle, even a praise. But most importantly, a wise person is looking to God for their future. And I know future is one of those things that gets by us sometimes because we're so caught up in the moment in the struggle. So as I begin today, on the back of your bulletin, we place the verse, and we're going to read this verse together, or these two verses together, and they kind of set us up for where we are. And this, the name of this sermon is called Musical Chairs. Hence, there are chairs. Gary didn't have to move a table. He had to move three chairs. Thank you, Gary, for the, your work today. But uh, just to ask that if you have your Bible, that you turn to Proverbs chapter 1, we're going to turn to verses 33, or 32 and 33, and I'm going to read it from the NIV. And if you have it, uh, go ahead and turn to it. But all of us, let's stand together as we read God's Word. Look carefully, then, how you walk, not as unwise, but wise, making the best use of, use of time. For the waywardness of the simple will kill them, and the complacency of fools will destroy them. But whoever listens to me will live in safety and ease, without fear of harm, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of God is. Let's pray together. Father, in these moments, I turn my mind and my heart over to you. I pray that the words that I would share be yours that the points that need to be made for those people that are in this room that are sincere about growing their relationship with you will be made. That, Father, as a church body, that we look at the lesson on wisdom as direction for our future. Father, help us take the focus off what's happening right now and look at the blessings and the road that you're going to give us to lead us to a future to be able to share Jesus Christ with our community in this world. 
Father, we thank you for your presence today, and we pray all these things in Christ's name. Amen. You can be seated. So when I started reading about this sermon, I knew that we had the definition of what wisdom was. And the fact that we look at God in all things and we should seek his will in all things is great. But I don't know if we're all sure or if we all know about the fact that there are three other points that come along with people that seek wisdom, or in this case, maybe people that don't seek wisdom. And as a youth minister, it's been my pleasure over the years to be able to work with students. And one of the things that we try to instill in the students is the fact that everything has a consequence, that every choice is going to play out a certain way. Great choices, choices that are made because you've prayed to God and you've asked him to lead them, are going to lead you to things that you can't imagine, to blessings unforetold. The opposite is true also. The things that we enter into in folly, the things that we think that we want through our own device, the things that we think that we're in charge of lead us down a path to destruction and pain and struggling. So as I started working out this series uh, and started reading about this sermon, and I pulled in these three topic, or these three areas um, that deal with wisdom, I felt like I owed you a disclaimer. And this disclaimer is simply this. I'm sorry that this might offend you. Because when you walk in the room and you get real with God, and especially if you open the book of Proverbs, where Solomon has poured out the wisdom that God has blessed him with, he wanted to make a direct point to the fact that God makes direction in our lives very clear and he's there for us. But it's our choice to act on that thing. And just a simple fact, because your name is on the roll of this church, because you carry that label as Christian, doesn't mean that you automatically get the smart muscles. I'm proof of that. Right, Kendra? Right, see? I have my wife. She acknowledges that one with a big thumbs up. That didn't take you very long. Thanks for the support. Um, But the truth is, we as Christians need to be on guard because the things of this world can quickly draw us away and maybe move us into a chair in which we don't want to belong. The first chair that I want to talk about is the chair of the simple. Simple Simple-minded people. Growing up, a lot of definitions of what a simple-minded person was. The biblical reason, or the biblical term, and the biblical definition that we're going to use today is a simple person is those people that make decisions based on lack of knowledge, lack of experience. And when I sit there and I think about the lack of knowledge, the lack of experience, I get to look right in my own household. I got three teenagers. Bum, 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 bum. And it was funny because in the early service, Brett and Brianna sat right there in that front pew to make sure I didn't destroy them too badly as sermon illustrations. And as I also mentioned, the fact that Brett has paid his due. Remember, he stuck a fork into a light socket and I let him do that. Remember that sermon illustration? Well, it was Brianna's turn today. 
Brianna is 15 years old. And I love the energy and the exuberance of youth. Because she will come at me just like I will come at her. And when we hit, it's like Clash of the Titans. I mean, we, she is exactly like me attitude-wise. Thank goodness she doesn't look like me. But when we get into it, it is never a sit-down conversation, a lovey-huggy time. It's usually at the top of our lungs trying to prove which one of us is right, trying to make our point. And I understand the reason why she comes at it because when I think about the definition of somebody that is simple, she's simple in the fact that she doesn't have the experience and the knowledge that I know about. Now, this is something that I tell all girls in youth group. Hannah, you can attest to this. Whenever I talk about relationships between guys and girls in the youth group, I always call the boys dogs, don't I? They are. Boys are dogs. Load my shotgun, set me on the porch, here they come. You know, one of those kind of deals. And as I describe that, it's because it's that simple feeling that a teenage girl gets that she wants to be cared for. She wants a relationship. She wants a little bit of independence. And I am so blessed. God has brought me to, to Brianna's 15th year of life. It will be my last year of life, but it will be Brianna's 15th year of life. Now, I'm claiming now, I mean, pretty soon, the box is going to be here and I'm going to be in it. I mean, it's getting that bad. But anyway, as we play through all of it, I understand why she argues with me because she does not have anything to draw reference to. She doesn't have anything in her life. And, and when I was trying to think of something that would speak to the center of this, I thought about my friend Ken Holland. Kent has one favorite country singer, and I bet you guys don't know who it is. But she's a young lady. Say, so you were wrong. <laughs> it's a young lady. And she wrote a song called 15. He absolutely loves this girl. If you don't believe me, go up there and ask him how much he loves her. Better than that, start buying him all of her CDs and putting them in his mailbox. I really want to see that, get a pile of this. But the singer is Taylor Swift, and she wrote this song called 15. And for those of you that know about Taylor Swift, a lot of her stuff that she has written deals with emotions and the feelings of her life. And there is a verse, or the chorus begins in 15, and it starts like this. Pete. Did you catch that? Am I the only one in here that knows this song? It says that when you're 15 and somebody tells you you love them, you're going to what? Believe. Oh, come on. We can do better than that. We're going to what? Believe. Yeah, ladies. I need to hear from you because you know exactly what I'm talking about. Brianna's in that area in her life where she is starving to begin that emotional and relational thing with guys. And believe me, 
you're looking at a guy that is going to be totally bald and in a rubber room pretty soon because I have to try to filter and do this and then explain to her why the yeses and the aren't necessarily yeses and why the noes should be always be noes. And, and as we play through this, I think about how simple she is. And then I remember about how simple I was. There was a guy that owned a welding shop in Alexandria. And in the welding shop, he liked to build things and drive them around. And he built a dune buggy. You remember dune buggies? Volkswagen engines had the fiberglass frames. Well, this guy builds one. His last name was Montgomery. And he builds one of these things, and he would come up and visit with Dad. And they'd sit on the porch of the house and drink iced tea. Well, he comes bringing that in, and I was probably six or seven years old. And believe it or not, my brother, four years older than me, was watching out for my better interest. And I would look at that dune buggy while it was parked over in our side yard, and I'd say, that's the neatest thing. And he would take the keys out. And he said, oh, you can climb around it. And on the back of that Volkswagen engine, he had put two of these big, tall pipes, and they were beautiful because they were beautiful chrome. And I remember my brother telling me at a young age, he said, boy, those things are pretty, aren't they? I said, yeah, they are. He goes, well, you better not touch them. He said, you better not touch them or you'll be sorry. I was really simple. I walked up to that thing. I looked at it and I said, you're 11 years old and you're trying to keep me from having fun. So I took my hand and reached out and I grabbed a hold of that thing. That night, my mom doctored an entire blister on my hand. Now, I'll be very honest with you, I never thought my brother ever cared for me, and that's why I didn't trust him, okay? <laughs> but looking at it in this very simple way, I understood that he was speaking into my life. Now, I don't want you to nudge anybody, I don't want you to elbow anybody, this is not about your husband, your wife, your friends, your, your children, your parents, it's not about, this is about you. But I bet you all of us can think of a time when we've been very simple about our faith. And the problem is, is we're going to run into people every day that are simple about their faith. But we have to be diligent because we have to speak into their lives. When you read the book of Proverbs, it makes it very clear. The fact that God is reaching and calling out to us entire, all the time. But we have to use the brains and the brains that God gave us to be able to hear and do the right thing. And simple people can be frustrating. You know, I believe that God has strengthened my heart enough where I'm not going to have a massive heart attack with Brianna, but if it causes me a minor one, that's not going to surprise me either. But I know I have to be there for her. Because not every boy that comes up and says, I love you to her, means it the way that she wants it to. Not every decision that you make needs to be made on that whim. 
Matter of fact, what we find out in wisdom is that we need to bathe every decision, the big ones and the small ones, in prayer. And ask God to have his way. You know, I think in every one of my sermons up to this point, I've mentioned the fact that God knows the future. And I want to reiterate that today. That no matter what panic or what feeling you felt over these last weeks and months, don't worry. God's got this. He sees the future. He knows what's happening. He knows ways to bless us. That's dealing with the simple people. The second kind of person that we deal with is this. I have to scoop my chairs up just a little bit. And don't take offense to this. This is not directed to anybody intentionally, but it's the fool. A foolish person is this. And see if you've ever had one of these in your life. A foolish person is the one that knows what's right and wrong, but says three words. I don't care. Hey, you know what? If you walk out there on that board, it's cracked in the middle. You're going to fall in and hurt yourself. I don't care. Hey, you know, if you go out there and do that, it's really going to be a financial uh, struggle for you and your family. Uh, You know, I would think about it. I know that, but I don't care. And you know that Uh, Your relationship can't take much more of this because you keep saying, um, trust me, trust me, trust me. But you keep making the same decision. Why is that? I don't care. And a foolish person will continually do that. They direct themselves. There is a great piece of scripture, and I'm going to go ahead and apologize for this too because I love this because I'm a youth minister. It's found as Proverbs 26.11, and it says this. As a dog returns to its vomit, I'll stop there. Anybody got a dog? We had a chow named Chi. And chows are notorious that when they eat, they feel like they have to eat everything like this. So our joke, because we didn't have children at this time, she was our child. Kendra and I would always say, well, we need to eat and she needs to eat twice. Because she'd get going, she'd go over to that dog food bowl, usually it was that Alpo, and I swear that Alpo was red and it stunk really bad. Scrub the carpets for that. But she'd walk over and she'd grab it and eat it as fast as she can. And you've seen dogs do this. They're afraid somebody's going to get it. And they'll eat it and eat it and eat it, and all of a sudden, they throw up. That'd be pretty disgusting if we as parents let our kids go back to their vomit, wouldn't it? But that's exactly what Scripture's saying right here. It says you've got to understand, a fool is like a dog that returns to its vomit and eats it back up. They know the consequence of what they're doing every time. They know that that's probably not the best thing for them to do. Not only is it disgusting, and I don't want to see it, but they can't help themselves to continue to do that. And what I'm doing here is, if you haven't caught on, that each chair seems to move us just a little bit further away from God in our relationship. A simple person will still talk to you and listen to you, 
The fool in the middle, they don't care what you say. I don't care. And it seems to be their mantra. Another verse that says this in uh, Proverbs 10, 23, it says, a fool finds pleasure in wicked schemes. How many times has somebody done something evil that you know of and they're almost delighted about it? You ever been to traffic court? Liars. Okay. You ever done traffic school to get out of points on a ticket? There we go. Thank you, Gene. I appreciate one honest person in the room. Okay. I can remember the one time that I went to traffic court. <clears throat> I remember this time that I went to traffic court. And I sat and walked into class. It was a Saturday morning. And it was actually, I had to come over here to Boone County because I got it in Campbell County. And I remember sitting upstairs. And a guy walks in, very stoic. He says, ladies and gentlemen, he says, I know this is not where you want to spend your Saturday morning. It's not where I want to spend mine, but at least I'm getting paid. We all looked at him, and he says, how many of you people in this room believe, honestly believe, that you're here for the wrong reason and you hadn't done anything wrong? Every young person under the age of 25 all shot up their hands. He says, okay, you can put your hands down. He says, let me teach you a lesson. He says, you might be here for the wrong reason, but I guarantee you that you have sped or done something illegal before and not gotten caught. Is that correct? They all kind of put their hands up. And he says, let's just figure that this is the law of averages catching up to you then. Let's begin class. And I think every one of those kids, they sit there, they're all looking at it, and they get that, they got it. But the fool is the kid that's sitting in class by me that day. He says, yeah, they got me this time. But boy, I tell you, you should have seen what I did this one time. I jumped a car I did, and started telling me these stories. And I'm sitting there going, I'm driving on the highway with you. I don't want to be out there. Here's my license. I'm done. You know, it's one of those kind of things. That's the way that fools are. They continually do the wrong thing. And they'll excuse it. Or they'll have a reason why it's happening. It's never their fault. And like I said, I apologize if any of this rings true. I'm not trying to stick anybody personally in this room. I'm just telling you, it's because we go through this every day. And the people that you love and the people that you cherish that would fall under the fool category, you know who they are. So it's people that you pray a lot for, that you spend a lot of time on your knees for. Because it doesn't matter how many times you have that conversation with them about, don't do it again, don't do it again. I give in to that impulse. There's a picture about a fool that a lot of people think, and, and you know what, it's so false. They always said that the jester represents a fool, but a jester took all of his orders from the king. And the simple fact he was listening to somebody takes him out of the fool category because he couldn't say, I didn't care. Usually they would go like that and cut their head off. 
But for some reason, this is our world's view of a fool. When you read Proverbs, that's not Solomon's view of, of a fool. Remember, you're dealing with the person that asked God for wisdom above all things. And he said, God, I've got to have eyes and a mind to be able to think and to see and to rationale everything. I want to be fair and all these things. And what a blessing it had to be to God to hear that one of his subjects wants to know him in such an intimate way and know his mind. That's what we're supposed to be striving for every day. Like I said, don't be poking the elbows, ladies, of your husband sitting next to you because I'm sure there's plenty of times that, well, Kendra, you want to take that one home and just hold it up every time I do something stupid? You can do that. The last one, I wish I had good news, but it gets to the point where there is no good news. In Scripture, they call them scoffers. We use the word mockers today. Mockers know what is right. Just ask them. They'll tell you. If it deals with your faith and you tell them that you're going to church, I guarantee you they'll start in on you. There's probably not many mockers, if any, in this room. Just because of their attitude towards everybody else and what they feel they're always right and everybody else is wrong, which they're all the time wrong if they believe that, that keeps them from having any kind of a relationship with God. How can a person that discounts anybody and everybody have a relationship with somebody that wants to speak into their lives? So the definition is, knows everything in their mind, and they make light of other people's. They're critical, and they're condescending. And they're not just condescending to everybody, they're especially condescending to people who are out making the right choices. Well, the reason why that happened for you is this. Don't ever share a blessing or an answered prayer to a mocker because they will have a field day with that. In Proverbs 9, 7, and 8, it says, whoever corrects a mocker invites insults. Whoever rebukes wicked ensures that they will endure abuse. Do not rebuke a mocker or they will hate you. See, a mocker lives by trying to keep us off balance. They're so critical and they're so negative about everything that we would share with them not only about God, but any way that you speak into their life, that they know that if they throw something and cause you to be off balance, it means that they've got control of a situation. And this might be a hard statement to make, but I'm going to make it, that if you have a mocker in your life, I feel sorry for you. In the first service, I touched on the fact that in my early years in the banking industry, I ran into a lot of mockers. I debated whether I'm going to tell this story, but I am going to tell this story, and I'll try to make it as clean as possible. No dog vomit, no nothing like that. But I can remember the day 
the Kendra and I had prayed and asked God about coming to Burlington Baptist Church 16 years ago. Um, the search committee had contacted me. Mike had called me and Mike Stork, and we talked on the back of a tractor for a long time on the phone that night. It was, I never did get the grass cut that night. That was all Kendra cared about. You didn't get the grass cut. At that moment, I felt such a peace because I had somebody speaking in my life. I had such a peace because God had made my direction very clear. I had bathed everything that I had done up to that point in prayer. So I knew the answer that I was getting back was from God. The next day, I walk in to Fifth Third Bank. I had a vice president's meeting in the morning, all sat around a table. And I remember that my boss was sitting there and I said, after the meeting, I need to talk with you. And he says, okay, I'll be down in my office. Well, long story short, he's an executive vice president. I walk in to his office and I said, um, Art, so I've been praying about this a long time and I said, I'm giving you my two weeks notice. Um, I'm going to be leaving Fifth Third Bank. And the first thing out of his mouth was, you're going to another bank, aren't you? What bank is it? What do they offer you? Is this a play for more money? I said, all right, it's not a play for money. I said, I believe that God is leading me into ministry full time. And I remember Art's response to me. And whenever I think of a mocker, I think of this example. And I pray for Art. But he says, why in the hell would you want to do that? about the way the room was, that dead silence. If you know me, then you know I can't let it go. And I kind of smiled at Art. Said, Art, you've been good to me. But I need to answer your question. Why would I do something like this? Because I've got to help people like you. And being a mocker, he dismissed it. You, you know, you'll be back in a year. You figure out you can't make a living at it. All these things. I mean, everything was a negative. It was a sign. So I know what it's like to have a mocker in my life. But I also know what it is when I endure people like that and God teaches me something out of it because it inspired me. It fueled me. And when I said it's to help people like you, it wasn't out of sarcasm or just wit. For the first time, I really meant that. I shook his hand and I walked out of the room. I told you, when I started this, preparing for this sermon, I wasn't sure where I was going. It opened up a lot of doors in reflection. Anybody that is in this room right now that heard my first sermon this morning knows this is a totally different sermon. That's a God thing. Even though I put these notes up here, I'm sitting here looking at my notes, and I'm sitting there going, well, I didn't say that, and maybe I needed to say that. No. 
because I would be foolish if I would sit in here and say, well, I put the time in and wrote it down on paper, so I've got to say what I've got to say. And I don't care whether that's what God needs or not. I would be in the way, in the seat of a mocker, because I'd be looking at God going, you know what, I know better than you. I'm going to prove it. Now, I think today, if I'm going to be in any of the seats, I want to be simple. The things that I don't know yet in my life, in my future, for my family, for what the future of this church is, I want God to teach me. I want to be wise and use that wisdom definition that I started out with, that when you are wise, you are seeking God in everything. Whether I'm out buying a garage door, whether I'm trying to choose a place to eat, and that stuff might seem trivial to you, and you're going, what the heck are you talking about? Well, if you're ever in our car, you know it's a fight every time that we talk about where we're going to go eat. So there needs to be prayer or bandages, one. But the truth is, you know what? When I've prayed about that before, God's led me to restaurants where there's people that are in there waiting and they're hurting and they're broken and I'm able to speak to them. Because I wasn't living in the moment. I was living in God's moment. I'm going to close by saying this. That everything that we choose to do and say in our lives matters. It matters because the people that are around us are seeing the way that we act and the way that we treat them. It doesn't matter where your family and friends fall, if they fall in any three chairs. Even if they're a mocker, don't you dare stop praying for them. Because that section of scripture that we opened up with has some verses in front of it. And as we get ready to move into a time of invitation, I need you to hear these words. This is the story coming out of Proverbs chapter 1, verses 20 through 32. It says, wisdom, and Solomon is using wisdom as a female name to put a person in the place of wisdom here and saying wisdom is walking into a city and how she wants to affect and help people. It says wisdom calls aloud in the street. She raises her voice in the public squares. At the head of the noisy street she cries out. In the gateways of the city she makes a speech. She says this, how long will you simple ones love your simple ways and how long will you mockers delight in mockery? And fools, how long are you going to hate knowledge? If you had responded to my rebuke, I would have poured out my heart to you and made your thoughts known to you. But since you've rejected me whenever I've called and no one heed when I stretched out my hand, since you ignore all my advice and would not accept my rebuke, I'm going to turn and laugh at your disaster. I will mock when this calamity overcomes you, when calamity over, 
takes you like a storm, when disaster sweeps over you like a whirlwind, when distress and trouble overwhelm you. And at that point, then they will call upon me, but I'm not going to answer. They will look for me, but they will not find me. Since they hated knowledge and did not choose to fear the Lord, since they would not accept my advice and spurn my rebuke, they will eat the fruit of their ways and be filled with the fruit of their schemes. For the waywardness of the simple will kill them and the complacency of fools will destroy them. First time I read that to somebody, they said, man, that's wicked at the end. Laughing at people that are struggling. Solomon's point is this, that that day of retribution is going to come. That you're going to have to reap what you sow. And so to the individuals that we love and care for that might sit in one of these musical chairs. If it's us that's in these chairs, then we need to first work on ourselves and get out of those chairs. Priority one. Priority two is to reach out and care for this world because they're mocking God. They won't take his rebuke. And we as Christians have to understand that when Scripture says rebuke, it's not because he just wants to put us down. He wants us just to understand where we're wrong and for us, for us to move from that point to the right point. And I close by saying this. You can add any name of any entity, a person, into this, and it fits. because they're scoffers in government. They don't believe in the faith that we Christians have. Matter of fact, they attack it every day. There's foolish people that we place in office supposedly to represent us. That when we tell them as a majority that this is the way we love and we know scripture's leading us to do, they have those three words, I don't care. And unfortunately, for the next generation, they would fall into that simple-mindedness. Our witness has to teach them that God is the only way. The greatest thing about being a young person that's simple is this, that you still have an opportunity to have it all. The rest of us, we've lived a portion of our lives and we've gotten these things in our lives. But you have a chance to have it all because you can seek after God's wisdom and your future's still ahead of you. And you can change the world. So today in this moment, in this invitation, I tell you that the altar's open. I told you number one was to work on yourself and that's what this altar's for. It's not between you and your spouse. It's not between you and your friends, you and your children. It's between you and God. How many of us are willing 
to say that there's a lot of times that we find ourselves in those chairs. Today, the altar's open for you. If you don't know because you never had a relationship with Jesus Christ, today is the day of salvation. If you want to know the way to trust in Jesus Christ and how that can work in your life, you come down here. I will love to talk with you. Maybe it's a time of communion you need just to seal a new beginning between you and God. Make it today. But in all things, let's make it about God.